Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning, everybody. All right. I know I'm not Pastor Jim. I'm a little... Just a little bit younger, and so um, and a lot less hair, and so it's it's okay. Uh, my name is Pastor Charlie Bukar. I'm the operations pastor, and I have the privilege to speak to you today. But before we do that, did you guys get a little Easter invite card? Can you hold those up really quick? Okay. Now listen. Can I be honest with you? That's not for you. Okay. It's not for you, honestly. So if you need that information, I want you to take your phone out, take a picture of it. Okay. Because that card should be going to someone else this this week. Okay, in the next two weeks, that card should no longer be in your possession. It should be in your phone to remind you so you don't forget, you know, what time things are. But it should not be for you. It should be for someone else as you invite them to join us for Easter, that great Easter weekend with Good Friday and Easter outreach and the three Sunday morning services. We want you to get that card out there, okay? So whoever you've been praying for on the board over here, we've been doing tags and you should have something on your keychain that says, I'm praying for somebody. Wherever, whoever that person was, that's who that card should go to. Can you guys do that for me? Is that okay? I'm, I'm, I'm up here with a mic. Of course you're going to do it. This is, what, this is what you have to do, okay? This isn't the rules of church. You have to do whatever the guy with the mic says. No, it's not like that. Don't, don't trip. Don't, don't worry, everybody. Okay, I have two things before we jump into the scripture. I'm going to be very honest. I'm very excited to preach this scripture. It is so good, okay? I'm not good. It's so good. So I'm going to talk real fast, all right? For those of you that grew up with hip hop, this is going to be so easy for you, Okay. <laughs> For those of you that grew up in like, you know, less, you know, fast talking in your music, maybe like the Beach Boys or something like that, it's going to be a little more difficult. So I'm sorry, but that's how excited I am. So the first two things, number one, a couple weeks ago, I announced two ministries, one that was new, one that was ongoing. The first was the prayer team with Dan and Vina Magana, and we have Easter coming up. We would love for some of you to join that prayer team as we, we expect there to be a lot of people over here getting prayed for like we do at the end of every service. So if you are interested in that or if you did the prayer ministry before and kind of haven't done it in a while, maybe since COVID, um, we just, just, I just ask, I beg you, please do this because we don't want anybody not getting prayed for. So if you feel you have the gift, you're like, hey, I would just love to listen to someone, pray with them really quick. We would, enjoy, we would just enjoy you being on that prayer team. And then the next thing we introduced kind of revitalized and brought back was a, a ministry called Next Steps. And Next Steps is our ministry for people that just got saved and we want to give them like an eight-week kind of discipleship process on what, you know, what's kind of, uh, you know, the theology, you know, what we expect, all that kind of stuff, answer any questions they have, all those kind of things. And so if you would like to be a part of that team, there's an easy way to sign up. Um, first, you can scan the QR code in front of you and just kind of sign up and get registered there or really we have an interest meeting next Sunday. Next Sunday, we have an interest meeting, um, one before first service and one after second service. So if you come in this service, just come uh, at around, I think it's eight o'clock, be here around eight o'clock and there's an interest meeting here. You'll get more information if you sign up. Um, you can sign up here or go to the Connect Center, but we would love for you to be a part of that. Do not feel like you have to be a certain type of person, like, oh, I'm not like a theologian and I don't. If you love people and you wanna see people grow, we strongly encourage you to sign up for this ministry because we believe that people are gonna get saved and we don't want just people getting saved and like, that's it. We want them to be discipled. So that's a huge part of this. So if you feel like that's something you enjoy, you wanna be a part of, please sign up. Um, you go ahead and go to the QR code, just sign up, register, and we'll get you emails. But next Sunday is our interest meeting for that. Number two, number two, youth convention. 
I don't know if you know this about me, but for 16 years before I came here, I came here in 2020, for 16 years, I was a youth pastor. And for, since I was 12 until I was 18, I was a part of a youth ministry. And so when I talk to you about youth convention, it is something near and dear to my heart. It is a three, three day, two night, three day uh, thing for youth kids all over Southern California to come and to experience God with other teenagers, with mentors that love them and that care for them and that will listen to them. And I'll be honest, I never, ever, ever want money to be an issue for our church to do ministry. Amen? I don't want that to be an issue. So I have four scholarships of $250 each that I would like paid for today. Four scholarships, they're gonna be at the Connect Center. You can give $100, you give $250, you can pay for all four. I do not, I, I will never say no to you on that, okay? But I'm telling you, I want those because I never want money to be an issue for a student to experience God. Because this, I believe that youth convention is that powerful. Youth group shaped my life. And in fact, that's how I'd like to start off. Today, we're gonna be talking about the day of Wednesday. Um, the Wednesday as Jesus has entered in and, and is about to be crucified in just a few days in the week, we're going to be talking about the Wednesday before that, that Friday. And Wednesday for me was always a huge day because Wednesday was the night of my youth groups. Now, I'll, I'll be honest with you. The person you see in front of you right now is the coolest Charlie Bacar that has ever lived. I'm telling you right now. The teenage Charlie Bacar was a mess, a hot mess, like like. If you think you were a dork, you have nowhere to even compare to myself, all right? Because I was a weird kid. Um, I was the oldest. And this is just with all oldest kids. If you're an oldest kid, you know this. Like, there's no one to like, no one's teaching you what to do and what not to do, right? Like, you're just kind of like, I guess we're going to figure this out as it goes kind of thing, right? And I was not good at figuring it out as it goes. And, and, uh, and my parents were great. Like, they loved me, but they probably weren't the coolest kids at their school either. And so it was just, I think it was genetics. Um, I prayed it against my daughters, and they have like a ton of friends. But as like little 12-year-old me, I was just a weird kid, okay? And I walked into youth group for the very first time. Uh, I remember my youth room was Wednesday nights upstairs in a place we called RBH. And I remember I loved it because there were cookies <laughs> and there was no parents. And I could take as many cookies as I wanted. And it was those little wafer cookies, you know, that like are basically zero calories. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, even now, who has one wafer cookie? You, you crazy person. You have to have at least 10, all right? There's gonna be like the whole sleeve is like a serving. Um, and I remember I was like doing that because I had no like conscience. I, I didn't think like that was weird. I was like, I want 12 cookies. I will take 12 cookies. And so, and so I remember like I had all these cookies and I remember all the youth leaders looking at me kind of funny, but I was like a little 12 year old kid, right? I was like the kid that, you know, wears shorts in the winter. Like that's me. Like I was that, I was that person. And some of you are still that person. It's totally fine. But that was me. And I was just, I was just this little kid. And I remember showing up on Wednesday night and I'd always kind of felt a little alone. I was never really in a crowd. Um, I was never like, I just never like had this community. And I walk into youth group as a seventh grader and I see cookies. But then I, I met like older people that like took an interest in like who I was. And I met other young people because I was a, a little kid that went to church all the time. And so when I went to public school, like that wasn't always the case. And then all of a sudden I show up and there's all these kids, some of them my age, they're all at church and they're worshiping and they're learning. And, and I'm looking at like the older juniors and seniors and they have their hands up and, and I'm like, oh, that's, 
okay, you can do that. And it's not weird as a kid. Like I just remember like Wednesday nights being so influential in my life. I'm the biggest proponent of youth ministry in the world. Again, I did it from for 16 years as a youth pastor and then went to youth group from 12 to 18 years old. Like I was on a Wednesday night in church from the ages 12 to 34. That's how long I was in Wednesday night youth groups. Like I just loved it and I got so hyped. And so when I heard that tonight, uh, today I got to talk about uh, Wednesday. It just brought back all these memories of like showing up on a Wednesday and it being like the greatest day of my life. Now on this Wednesday, I'll say, we never did this at our youth group. On this Wednesday, there begins the plot to kill Jesus, okay? Again, we never did that at my, my youth group. We, we like Jesus in my youth group. But that's what we did. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about the plot to kill Jesus and what that meant and the troubles that go in with that. We're just gonna like dive deep in the scripture. So I need you to turn to two scriptures. We're gonna be in two. We're gonna be in one very quickly and then we're gonna be in one the rest of the time. The one we'll be in very quickly is Matthew 26, verse one through five. So you can just turn there and put a bookmark there and then also put a bookmark in John chapter 12, right around verse 27. Those are gonna be our two scriptures we're in today. But before we do that, can we pray? I'm just gonna pray over the service. Father, God, I give you this time. God, I pray I talk slow today. But God, more importantly, I pray that you speak through me. God, I pray that the people out here would hear the words not from Charlie Bacar, but God, from you. And that God, you would open our ears and open our hearts. God, to make us see what you want us and what you have for us to see today. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so Matthew 26, that's where we're gonna be today. Now, I just wanna set this up, okay? Pastor Jim has done a great job in the last uh, uh, couple weeks kind of setting up for this day. But just to set it up, I just wanna give you like kind of just a visual of what's happening in Jerusalem at this time. So there are about between two and three million people that have showed up in Jerusalem. That's a lot of people, right? It's not meant for two or three million people, but this is the Passover. So this is a huge celebration that's happening this week. And people have come from all over Israel to come here, right? Now, don't forget that this is not a sovereign nation, right? They are, they are being overtaken by the Roman government. So not only are there 2 million Jewish people there, 2 to 3 million Jewish people there, but then there is like this huge uh, kind of like that's not usual big Roman government army there to kind of keep the peace, Right? So they got all these people. So the Roman government says, hey, we're gonna send a bunch of soldiers there so that we have, there's just a ton of people walking around and then people have brought their sacrifices. So you have all these people, all these Roman guards, and then you have about, and this is some estimates from scholars would be about 250,000 lambs that are to be slain have also shown up. Not counting like camels and other donkeys and other things of how people got there. I mean, this is like craziness, okay? Now, if any of you have ever led like an event and it's crazy, as much as you're like, I hope nothing goes wrong, it's also very cool because in this crazy event with all these people, you're the guy in charge and it feels like power. PJ will often say, I will wave my right hand and you will you know, do what I say. It's very weird. We laugh at him when he does it, but we also try to obey authority and we do it. Um, but, but just imagine like being the person leading the event, right? There are 2 million people and they're all looking at you. And so those people are like the elders, the chief priests, the high priest named Caiaphas. And all these people should be looking at you, except there's another guy in the city and his name is Jesus. And he shows up and everybody's screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, you know that story? And they're laying palm trees down 
and they're listening to him talk and Caiaphas and the chief priests and the elders, they know who Jesus is. He's been disrespectful to them in their position. He's spoken against them. He's called them a brood of snakes. He hasn't, he hasn't respected them enough to show up to their houses. And he, he shows up at the houses of sinners and of rebels. And so they look at Jesus, not as someone that they should see, which is the Messiah. They look at him as a problem. They look at him as trouble. He's going to affect their status in life. He's coming up against them in what should be their moment to shine. Now everyone's looking to him. And the most evil sin that could corrupt a Christian starts, starts sprouting in their hearts. And that's a sin of pride. And you might think, well, pride, Charlie, pride's not that big of a deal. Pride is just, it's okay to have a little pride, right? If you're a Christian in the room, I'm telling you that is not okay at all. Can I tell you what pride did? Pride caused Adam and Eve to fall because they felt they deserved and could be their own gods. Pride is what made the devil fall. Pride will go against every single Christian ethic and Christian theology that you believe because you are not called to be prideful people. In fact, when you become prideful and you allow that, that pride to well up, and that pride does not mean care. You should care about what you're doing, but you should be very careful when caring for what you do and having pride about what you do kind of creep in. It should never be, well, I'm, I should be this and everyone should look at me and I have earned my status and I've earned my right to say what I want and do what I want. That should never be the case in your heart. Pride has now welled up in the chief priests and the elders and in Caiaphas, the high priest. And when Jesus, the Messiah is there, they miss him. Why? They don't see Jesus as the Messiah. They see Jesus as trouble. So Matthew 26, look what they begin to do verse 1 when Jesus had finished all these words he said to his disciples you know that two days after the Passover is coming and the son of man is to be handed over for crucifixion verse 3 then the chief priests and the elders of the people who were gathered together in the court of the high priest named Caiaphas and they plotted together to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him but they were saying not during the festival otherwise a riot might occur among the people so that's how you know that Jesus is in good standing with these two, three million people. That if they were to kill him in front of everyone for whatever sin or whatever trumped up charge they would do, they would have a riot. So like, hey, we have to do this stealthily. They see Jesus as a problem. They see Jesus as trouble. So what is their immediate reaction? Eliminate the problem. Eliminate the trouble. Just kill it. Get it out of the way. It's affecting me in a negative way, so we must get rid of it. Now there's another person that same day in a different place that is also troubled. So go ahead, turn your Bibles to John chapter 12 and listen to the first few words in this verse, verse 27. This is Jesus speaking. Now my soul has become troubled. Now don't read ahead. Don't be a spoiler person, okay? Don't be the person that reads the, the internet before a movie comes out. Just, just stop right there, okay? We also see that Jesus is troubled. Why? Well, he's already, he's already said, hey, in a few days, I'm going to be handed over for crucifixion. I know how this ends. He says, I know the ultimate end, but I know how the next few days are going to go. And my soul is troubled. I'm worried about it. I might be a little anxious about it. But then look at what he says right after. But what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came for this hour. Father, glorify your name. 
And then a voice came out of heaven and said, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Jesus, having the same troubled soul, chooses not to say, I'm going to eliminate this. I'm going to run away from this. Because don't forget, these guys are plotting to kill Jesus, but Jesus cannot be plotted to kill. Jesus will lay down his life. He will voluntarily lay down his life, which means that in this moment, when his soul is troubled, he could, if he wanted to, run away. He could use his power to save himself. He could do anything he wanted to do to get out of this situation. But he knows that just because he's troubled, just because he's worried about it, just because he knows what's about to come, does not mean that he gets to just run away. Does not mean that he gets to eliminate it. Because he knows that this is the hour for which he has come. Now, too many times, we choose to be little Caiaphases instead of little Christ. And this is what I mean. I want you to ask yourself this question. When trouble, when facing the trouble, what's your reaction? When facing the trouble, whatever the trouble is, what's your reaction? What's your immediate reaction? Is it to get rid of the problem? Well, I got to fix it. I got to take care of it. I got to make sure that it doesn't affect me in any way. I got to make sure that I still stay comfortable. I got to make sure that I still stay happy. I got to make sure that everything works out okay for me because I know that God just wants me to be happy. Are you a little Caiaphas? And when things are bad, you assume that they must be from the devil. So you're just like, I'm just going to get rid of it. We're not called to be little Caiaphas. We're called to be little Christ. When trouble comes our way, what's our first reaction? Father, I don't know why. I don't know how. But glorify your name. Maybe I've come for this hour. Maybe in whatever trouble I'm about to face, it's not going to kill me, but it might purify me. And if anything, Father, Let it glorify your name. Let it be something you use for a greater purpose. This is difficult, right? This is difficult for us, especially us as American Christians. We like our comfort and we will often tell ourselves, well, doesn't God give me the desire of my heart? Like, doesn't he want me to be happy? This is what that verse means. Can you you hear me? Because I don't want you to misuse scripture on accident. When scripture says, God will give you the desires of your heart, this is what it means. It means that you have obeyed so much in the troubled times that you've gone against even what your flesh wanted to do. And you've obeyed and you've trusted the Father that now your heart and his will are aligned. And now when you say, God, give me the desires of my heart, he will say, of course I will. Because your heart and my will are now aligned. You have gone through the times of the trials and the tribulations that you can understand that sometimes my will and your comfort don't always match up, but your will is no longer your comfort. Your heart is no longer your, your oh, well, I just want everything to be perfect for me. No, like now it's like, I want your name to be glorified. So now that your will and your heart and my will and my heart are now aligned. Do you understand that? It's not just, well, whatever I think and whatever I want and whatever I do, I get it. No, 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 it has nothing to do with that. We see this with Jesus. Jesus is sitting here saying, I'm troubled, but what am I gonna do? because it's for this hour I came. So for some of you in your troubles, 
I know you're praying for the elimination of it. I'm not even saying that sometimes that's not a good prayer, but I'm also saying this. Have you asked the Father, Father, your name be glorified. Father, I will, I will serve in this hour you. I'm not gonna try to fix it or kill it, but when trouble comes, my reaction will be to lean on you and allow your name to be glorified. All right, moving on, moving on. I told you, because I, I could do a whole sermon on just that. Um, moving on, verse, uh, verse uh, I think it's 30, 30, 29, 29. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it has thundered. Others are saying an angel has spoken to him. So, so everyone has heard this voice. And then Jesus answered them and said, the voice did not come for my sake, but for your sakes. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, I am lifted up from the earth and will draw all men to myself. And he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he would die. He is telling them, I am the Messiah. I am the son of man. I have come and, and the, the, the evil one's gonna be cast out. Everything's gonna be fine. And he's kind of telling them, this is the kind of death I'm gonna die. And listen to the crowd's reaction. The crowd answered him. We have heard of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. So how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is the son of man? I mean, I want, I want you to set this up right now. The Messiah is right in front of their faces. Like they are, they are, this is the person they've been waiting for. This is the person they heard stories about. This is everything that, this is everything they've waited for. This is the time in their history they have waited. Their parents have waited. Their great, great everything. And he's right in front of them. And he's telling them. And the reaction is, well, you don't look like that guy. Are you sure? Are you? That's not the person I thought of. No, the Son of Man, we read the Son of Man is going to remain forever. And they are blinded by the real Jesus because their perception did not meet his reality. So I'm going to ask you this. How's your perception of Jesus? Does it match with his reality? Does your perception of Jesus match with his reality? Let me, let me give you an example. All right, so some people will, will come and they say, well, that's not what Jesus was. Saying. God is a God of love. And God loves everyone. And, and, and my Jesus will forgive everything. All these things are true right? God will forgive everything if we submit and make him the Lord of our life, right? But we leave that part out. That doesn't match our perception of him. So it doesn't matter what anybody does. And, and soon we're going to get to heaven and, and everybody's going to be affirmed and everyone's going to be okay. And we're all going to live in, in, you know, with daisies and we're going to skip and, and everybody would have done their own thing. And because they could live their own lives, everything's going to be okay. And everyone's going to be forgiven because God is love. And you've painted a very pretty picture of Jesus where some of it is true, but then you've trimmed off the stuff you didn't like, right? You don't talk about Jesus and how he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You feel like God is love and you're Jesus' love. And so he's okay with everyone believing their own thing and they're just kind of getting along and, and everyone's gonna be in heaven. We're all gonna get along. And that's the Jesus you have built. And as much as that's a very nice Jesus and a Jesus that some of you wish was real, it's just your perception of him. It's a Jesus that you built to make you feel good, to make sense of a crazy world. Or, because I'm not gonna... Some of you have a real grumpy Jesus. 
and you say, well, my God is the God of truth. My Jesus is the truth. My Jesus turns over, turns over tables in the courts. My, my Jesus yells at people and calls them a broods of snakes and he gets upset with them. And you've left out all the Jesus that hung out with sinners and listened to them and empathized with them and heard them and knew the names of their family members. You've left that Jesus out because it makes your reality really nice because now you can say whatever you want as long as it's truth. You don't have to say it in a nice way. It's just truth. You take what Pastor Jim says, well, I'm gonna be bold and you just yell and you're mean and you forget the part about doing it lovingly. And so you post whatever you want, you say whatever you want, you do whatever you want. And then you use your Jesus and say, well, my Jesus did that. And he's a very grumpy, he's a very grouchy Jesus. He's the Grinch Jesus, right? He just doesn't like anything. Both these Jesuses are false. In fact, I'm gonna tell you this, and this is a problem we have. Both these Jesuses are actually lazy. They're lazy perceptions that you have created to just make you feel okay. Because you're like, well, if I believe in this Jesus, then that's all I have to believe and I don't have to worry about anything else. I don't have to learn anything else. If I believe in this Jesus, then that's all I have to believe. I don't have to learn about anything else. I don't have to do anything else. And they're both very lazy perceptions of who Jesus is. And you have not done the work to find the real Jesus because it's hard. It's hard to do this work and it's hard to do this work because it goes against your flesh. It goes against some of your beliefs that you've believed in since you were a kid. It goes against everything that you've, that you've thought in your life, that you've made up in your life. And I'll be honest, yes, it is difficult work to be a Christian. To be a lazy Christian is virtually impossible because Christianity is this crazy balance of how to love people and share the truth, how to, how to speak the truth and yet know who the sinner is, how to surround yourself with community but not ostracize yourself so you don't know anybody in the world. It is a crazy, difficult balance. You cannot be lazy doing it. And if you felt that just showing up here on a Sunday morning once a month for you know, 35 minutes if I'm preaching, 45 minutes of PJ's preaching, like if you feel like that's enough, if you feel like that's it, then you're wrong. And you've created a very lazy perception of who Jesus really is because it's difficult. It's hard. It takes community to even like just try and get through the day. And if you're older and you're like, no, I figured it out. I'm telling you, you haven't. You've just kind of drawn back into, well, I'm retired and I don't need anything new in my life. I don't want to learn how to use the new credit card system. I don't wanna learn how to do something new. I just wanna continue on. That's not the Jesus of reality. He will continuously show you. He will continuously challenge you into knowing him more and more. So do not create lazy perceptions of him. Find the real him. Okay, moving on, sorry. I hope that didn't like hurt any of your feelings. Actually, I kinda of do hope it hurt, but like, the person who loves people hopes it didn't hurt. So it's very, you know, this is very difficult. Um, continuing on. We're over here in verse 35. So Jesus said to him, for a little while longer, the light is among you. 
Walk while you have the light so the darkness will not overtake you. Yet he who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you must become sons of the light. Oh, John is, by the way, this gospel in John, it's so poetic. And so if you're, if you're not like a poetic person, don't worry. This is, it's how it's written, but it's so beautiful. Like, hey, you guys are in darkness. I'm the light. I'm walking among you. You should see this, all that kind of stuff, right? That's the imagery. These things Jesus spoke and he went away and hid himself from them. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our report, and to him has the arm of the Lord been revealed. For this reason they could not believe, for Isaiah said again, listen to this, he has blinded their eyes, and he has hardened their hearts, so they would not see with their eyes, and perceive with their heart, and be converted, and I will heal them. There's no point to this one section. I just want to stop, because I want to talk about that prophecy. Because you might see that and say, man, God blinds eyes and he hardens hearts. Like, and you might even use that like, well, I guess, I guess that's, I guess that's just how it goes. Like if you get lucky, you get to have the soft heart. But if you're unlucky, you get to, that's not what this verse is saying at all. Never forget that the Bible was written in a different place to a different people and in a different context in a different time. Okay, never forget that. And so to these Jewish people who are reading the words of Isaiah, those words where it says he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, to them they are saying, listen, God is involved in everything. He is around everything. He is omnipresent. He, 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 he knows what's going to happen. And he knows that those people are going to choose. Do you hear that? He knows that those people are going to choose to have hard hearts and blind eyes. And yet he's still going to use them to further his kingdom. It is not that he is taking away their free will. If you read that just by itself and didn't read any other scripture in the Bible, you might be able to say, well, that's what's happening. But every other part of scripture will say free will is, is this choice. We have a choice to choose to listen or to not to listen. But doesn't matter our choice in that matter. God is still going to move and he's still going to further the kingdom. And he will know because he is Alpha and Omega, he knows what people are going to choose, yet he still will not take away the freedom of your choice to do so. He will give you every opportunity that he can to make sure that you know that you can choose to follow him. But he still knows the beginning and the end, okay? And listen, we're going to, you, you, this might feel like the multiverse for some of you, right? When you're watching a Marvel movie. So if you have deeper questions, you can always ask. Not right now after service because it would get weird right now. But that's just so you guys know, this verse does not take away free will. Okay, that's the most important thing you have to know. That is not what Isaiah was trying to say. That is not what any Jewish scripture would be trying to say in the Old Testament. That is not what the New Testament would say. Nothing about the Lord would ever take away your free will. Okay, moving on. These things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and he spoke to him. Now I want you to pay attention to this. Nevertheless, many, even the rulers, believed in him. And because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that we'd be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Now, I just, let's just set that up. There are leaders and people that believe that Jesus is who he said he was. They're looking at all the evidence and they're saying, clearly he's the Messiah. Clearly, this man is who he says he is. Clearly, he is the person we've been waiting for. But I don't want to say it out loud because I'm afraid of what would happen to me if I were. 
some of you might be in that very context right now. And you might say, well, how can I beat Charlie? Of course, of course, I'm not secret about believing in Jesus. I'm here right now. God bless you. You're totally here right now. Can I ask you this? Who else knows you're here? Do your coworkers know where you go on Sunday morning? Does your family? Do the, does the community that you hang out with, do they know what you do on Sunday morning? Or do you keep it kind of on the DL? The DL means the down low for those of you that don't know. <laughs> Just in case, all right? Do you kind of keep it a secret? I don't want everyone to know what's going on. I just want to show up for my family and, and the, the few people that come with me, but I don't really tell anybody. So I kind of keep it it's this little secret that I believe in God, but I don't want to say it too loudly because I like the communities I'm in and the communities I'm in, if they knew that I really believed in that, I'm not really sure what their reaction would be. I don't know if they would just make assumptions about me. I don't know if I could be a really good business leader and tell people and show people that I'm a Christian. I don't know. I would be held to a certain standard. So I'll just, I'll just keep it a little bit of a secret. So when I have to do something difficult or kind of walk outside my Christianity, no one will call me a hypocrite. And I'll just be, you know, you have all these reasons, these noble-minded reasons on why you keep it a secret. I'm going to tell you this. If you keep your discipleship a secret, one of two things are going to happen. Either your discipleship is going to become so overwhelming that it's going to kill your secrecy because you're going to have to at some point allow this to envelop the rest of your life or your secrecy is going to kill your discipleship. That's the path you're on. Either your discipleship is going to kill your secrecy or your secrecy is going to kill your discipleship. And you've got to make a conscious choice. Whose praise do you value? Whose praise do you value? It's very easy for all of you to say, well, the Lord, right now. It's very difficult to say that in the break room, during the meeting, during a very difficult time where you have to make a very difficult decision. And you're not surrounded by people in the church, but you're surrounded by those outside. Whose praise do you value? It should not change based on context. I'll, I'll be I'll be clear on that. Well, here I want God's praise and here I want man's praise. Here I want God's praise and here I want my family's praise. Here I want God's praise and here I want my boss's praise. The context should never change. Well, the context will change, but the, but the praise and whose you value will never change. And I understand the turmoil that can go on because it's like, man, if I tell people, if I'm very honest about what I believe, then certain communities will, will be upset with me. They'll kick me out. That's what these guys are worried about. They'll kick me out. And the community that I surround myself with and those friends that I'm with, they'll, they'll assume and they'll just kick me out. So I just want to keep it a secret until I can reveal it because I don't want them. No, no, no. I want you to, to pay attention to this. Whose praise do you value? Do you value that community that loves you because you give them affirmation for what they believe? Because they get something from you? Is that the praise that you value or do you value the praise of a father who doesn't gain anything? He doesn't need any more of your praise. He doesn't need any more. He has everything. He is everything. The only reason he wants you in his, in his arms and in his life and to choose to make Jesus the savior of your life and him the God of your life is because it's the best thing for you. 
For the other community, it's the best thing for them. For this over here, it's the best thing for you. Whose praise do you value? Now, we're going to wrap up. 44 through 47. And Jesus cried out, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. But if anyone hears my saying does not, and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And this is where some of you are like, I told you. Jesus didn't come to judge the world. I told you. You're nudging your partner. I told, I, I knew it. I knew I was right the whole time. I knew that verse was in the Bible. I knew I Googled it one time. I knew it was there. And you're totally right. Jesus did not come to judge the world. It says it right there. He said it. But in his coming, he brought judgment. I mean it like this. Uh, I drive down this uh, uh, park ridge every day, most days. And, uh, and it's a school zone, right? And sometimes I might be a little late, you know, not because I slept in, because I have two little girls that need to get ready. Um, it's never my fault. Uh, but, but I'm late sometimes. I'm later than I want to be. And I know that it's a school zone. I know it's 25. I know all those things, right? But imagine I'm just like, dude, I'm trying to get to a meeting with one of you. And I'm just like, we're doing 50. We're doing 50. I'm getting there, okay? Who knows why I chose to do 50? I've never done it, just so no one's judging me in here, okay? <laughs> Chill, all right? But imagine, I'm just whoosh, I'm doing it. And now there's a sheriff. I don't know if any of your kids go to Washington, but like it's chaos, like at the beginning, at the end of school, right? Have you ever, if you've ever been in it, you've, you've learned to pray really hard um, for others. And, uh, and now they put a sheriff there so you can't drive on the horse trail because I don't even know. I did it one time and I felt so guilty. I confessed and, uh, and never done it again. And, and now there's a sheriff right there, right? And, and, uh, and he's trying to catch people. And that's the best thing in the world to watch someone else catch someone else, right? It's never good for you, but it's always fun to watch someone else get caught. Uh, just, just being a human. Um, and, uh, and imagine, I don't see him and I'm going and I know, knowingly, I know everything. And I, and I zoom and I get a little whoop, whoop, right? I get pulled over in the church parking lot. PJ sees it. He's giving me a hard time. The ticket is a bunch of money. Let's say it's like, $450. I don't know how much tickets are, but we're just going to use that amount. $450. I go to court, right? Uh, and, and I'm sitting there and the judge says, hey, you did it. You broke the law. It's $450. Now imagine I yelled at the judge and said, it's your fault. I have to pay $450. Imagine I did that, right? It's your fault. I looked at the sheriff who showed up. It's your fault. Is it? No, I judged myself. I knew what I did. I knew it was there. I knowingly broke it. I chose to be blind to what I wanted to be blind to, to have my hardened what I wanted to be hardened to. And when the time came, I judged myself because I knew it. And yet I still chose to not believe it could happen to me. So when Jesus says, I did not come to judge you, it's exactly what he means. He's saying, I'm just bringing the truth. You be the judge of you. I'm the light. 
I'm sitting here in the darkness. I'm telling you, you can, you can come if you want, but it's your call. I'm not coming to judge you. I'm just trying to come to save you. But what are you going to choose? What's your judgment going to be to this? Remember a couple of verses before it said that he had performed all these miracles and they still chose to be blind. Do you know why people choose to be blind? They choose to be blind because he, Jesus, doesn't fit their lives. Doesn't fit their narrative. Doesn't fit their perception. Doesn't fit their status. Doesn't fit what they wanna do in life. And they choose to be blind even though there's all kinds of evidence. And for some of you, that's where you are right now. You believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And with all this evidence, with not just evidence in scripture, but all the historical evidence, all the, all the, all the, the, the people that are not even Christians that, that account, like Josephus, that account for there being a Jesus and he died and there was like this crazy thing that happened where they couldn't find the body. All this evidence that this man was real and this resurrection happened. All this evidence from eyewitnesses that said, dude, I showed up. They believed it so much that they were willing to die for the lie. Can you, can you imagine the kind of, conviction you have to have in your heart to say I believe this so much I'm willing to let you kill me not because it gets me anything because I want more people to know about it I'm willing to go through my own trouble my own time my own little thing I'm willing to give up my own pride because I want people to know the glory of the father can you imagine that kind of conviction and you see all the evidence that maybe you have it just a little bit wrong that maybe you need to change some of your life just a little bit. You have every single piece of evidence and you're still choosing to be blind. I don't want that for you. As a pastor, as one of your pastors, I don't want that for you. It's really hard to get through this crazy world and be blind. The world has never been crazier. I shouldn't say that. The world has definitely been crazier than it is right now. It's just never been crazier for me and you, right? This is our hour. This is our time. If you're alive right now, you take what Jesus says. This is your time. Don't be worried about it too much. You were made for this, okay? Other people were made for the areas they were in. You were made for this. Are you gonna take a hold of that? Or do you wanna choose to still not quite believe because really it doesn't fit your life? I'm telling you, that when you choose to give your life to the Father, all of a sudden, everything begins to fit. You become a better father, a better mother, a better family member, a better employee, a better boss. You become a better servant, a better worker. You become everything you've ever desired to be plus more because the man who created you, the God who created you is now the God of your life. And now all of a sudden, everything comes under his life. And all of a sudden, he doesn't have to fit into your life. Your life is now given to him and now everything fits. I don't want you to be blind anymore. I want you to choose to see the truth. And I wanna give you that opportunity right now. You bow your head, close your eyes with me. And for some of you, something in the message convicted you and you need to change something in your life. There's some sort of perception of Jesus that you have that you need to change. I want you to remember that, maybe write it down, begin to work on that in your own life. But the people I wanna to talk to right now are people that have never accepted Christ 
you've seen the evidence and you want to accept him as your savior, you want to accept God as the God of your life for the very first time, or you walked away. You were a youth group kid like me. You were a church kid. You were someone that loved church and you've walked away, you backslid, and you want to make that decision to come back. You don't want God to try to fit your life. You want to submit your life. If you're either one of those two people, a first-time Christian or person that has come back to Christ, the only thing I want you to do with every head bowed, every eye closed is look at me. Just, just look up at me. All right, every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to pray this prayer out loud all together. Repeat after me, Father, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, become the Savior of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Convict me, encourage me. I give my life to you. If you prayed that prayer right now and you looked up at me, this is what I want you to do. Right after we dismiss, right after I'm done, you can scan the QR code or you can go to the Connect Center. I want you to tell us either digitally or in person that you accepted Christ. You can also come over here to my left, your right, and tell somebody over there, I want to get you information. I don't want you to come into this blindly. I want to give you every single thing I can to help you in your walk or your rewalk with Christ. So again, let us know digitally on the QR code. Say, I accepted Christ, fill it out. Let the people know at the Connect Center and they'll, they'll jot your name down. Come over here, let one of the prayer team members know. We want to get you information because we do not want you to walk this journey alone. Can everybody stand up with me? Again, the prayer partners are coming over here. My left, your right. If you accepted Christ, if you need prayer, if you need any kind of prayer, you can come over here and get prayer from them. Um, but we want to love on you. I have, I have something that we repeat every Sunday after church. Um, so just repeat it after me. This is our benediction. This is how we leave every Sunday. Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. All right, God bless you guys. We'll see you guys next week. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco or email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.